Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together. We pray your blessings upon us and all who will watch us over the over the next coming time. And we thank you, Father, for this venue that we can that we can use to share the share the word with with the lost and dying. Father, we pray uh, uh, that you continue to help us to to, to grow in our knowledge and our understanding help us to grow in our in our spiritual walk father father we ask that uh, that you will uh, be with us when we face trials of whatever they may be so that they don't turn into temptations father help us to be forgiving and loving and uh, and kind and compassionate to those around us and thank you father for the opportunity we have to be obedient to you help us to uh, to really uh, look at you and, and look at those around you as your creation and help us to remember that that you made them all and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. We're in 24. Yep. Leviticus 24. If it, again, sounds like I have a cough drop in my mouth. It's because you do. I do. Yep. And uh, still getting over whatever this upper respiratory infection was. So fun stuff. But we're going to be in Leviticus 24. And, uh, you know, this is a, a problem text for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think? You know, and it's it's so funny, too, because everything that we've been looking at, you know, we've looked at, we've, we've really got the answer to the question, right? Ever since the fall and us leaving the garden, this question has been, how are we going to get back in? You know, in, in Genesis chapter four, that's what Cain and Abel are doing. They're offering sacrifices where are they at. They're at the door trying to get back into the door. God has said that the seed of woman is going to come and get them back into the garden. Now in with Leviticus, uh, in Leviticus chapter 16 in the day of atonement, it has been revealed how we enter back into the presence of God. Well, something I, I brought up in, in class, you know, that what the gospel is. And the gospel is the whole plan of God for salvation. Yeah. That starts from the beginning to the end. Yeah. That's that, you know, we are, we are here. This is just part of the plan. Yeah. Of the, of that gospel salvation issue that he's dealing with. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's a, it's neat to, it's neat as you, when you study the old Testament with that mindset, mm -hmm. it be, makes more, everything more, uh, it, it it makes more special, makes it more intense when you look at it from okay, how is God unfolding this plan? And this is and this story here in Leviticus twenty four is an important part of that. Yes, it is. And so absolutely, it is. We read this story, and whenever we read of God's justice or judgment on people, we recoil, mm -hmm. right? Because it almost seems a contradiction, right? You think about the, what's the whole purpose of the gospel? We can receive forgiveness of sin, of sin. right? So. Through the sanctifying work of Christ. Right. 
And so we we look at it and we look at those statements in like Exodus 34, 6 and 7, right? The God, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, right? So we look at that that exposition of who God is and all these wonderful character traits, but then we recoil at the, and I'm going to hold people accountable, right? I'm justice, mm-hmm. right? I am love. I am mercy. I am grace. I am all those things, but I'm also justice. And that tension is very difficult for people. Yeah. So we come to this story in Leviticus 24 and we read through it. And because we have on our, well, God is supposed to be loving and kind and forgiving and all these things glasses. We have those glasses on and we read a story like this and we go, I don't understand. Why couldn't this person be forgiven? Well, then this is more than a story. This is a, this is a dictate from God. Yeah. This is when this happens, this is what you do. Now understand, you know, this is, this is because they're fixing to go out and they're gonna they're gonna run into a lot of characters. Yeah. And some of them are gonna turn into characters as well. And so God's trying to preserve the holiness of his nation. Yeah. Just like you know, it's like Jesus went to the cross to preserve, make possible holiness for this nation, this spiritual nation. We have to remember what he's heading towards, too. Yes. He needs this nation ready for when Christ gets here. Yeah. He needs them there for it. Yeah. Right? He's got to bring in a kingdom. He's got to bring in David. He's got to bring in all these people. And so this nation has to be ready. Now he gets there. He gets all he gets all of that despite the nation, right? He gets it not because of the nation, well, but despite the nation because he's God. So he, he's his he's going to work his plan. His plan will always unfold. It don't matter what monkey wrenches the monkeys throw in the process. No. It don't it doesn't matter. What kind of characters we become? Right. It doesn't matter because God can navigate those things. That's what Romans chapter 8, 28 says, right? For God works out all things for what? For the good of those who love him. So we need to understand that God is working and this is part of that. And when we put this into the paradigm of the plan, it starts to make a little bit more sense. We're going to see, we're going to see a very important piece of the plan through this story. Okay. So let's read it. Let's, let's get into it. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 10. Uh, now, the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Who is this a son of? Who's this person's father? It's an Egyptian. An Egyptian. That's very Gentile. important. He's a Gentile. He's, this, this, is, this is supposed to be. That means he was married to her, this guy's mother uh-huh. and, and in Egypt. And they've traveled. And the Egyptian father left his homeland and traveled with the, this, this nation of Israelites. Probably it was more than just this one. There was a bunch of them. There were a bunch of Egyptians who went with them, right? Yeah. And so and they and they left, and that's where we're at. So this is a narrative hook meant to make us remember Egypt. Yes. That's the whole that's really the whole point of this. Yeah. You gotta remember this is a story, and the narrator is telling us a story. Yes. So he's throwing this in there and saying, Oh, the son of not not the son of an Israelite, but the son of an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. This is mixed, mm-hmm. right? narrator is also looking forward because what what does god tell him to do later don't mix with the people around you yeah. don't known intermarry those nations yeah because of what's going to happen your children are going to fall you're going to fall they're going to drag you down right and so the narrator is looking forward and he's looking backwards and he's helping us understand who this person is all right yeah so he's the son of an israelite mother and an egyptian father he went out among the israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an israelite shocking who would have guessed? People that aren't of the same nation, aren't of the same blood, aren't of the same. They're going to end up fighting. Well, I think 
I think it's it, there's a racial tone to this that probably happened within the kind that we don't have record of. Sure. But you would think with people are normal, no matter whether they live then or they live now, you know, people are going to they're going to they're going to flock together with their own and and ostracize others. It's called in school. It's called bullying. People get bullied because you're not you're different than I am. You know, your hair in the same color, your eyes ain't said whatever it is, and they bully each other, and, and that's what's happening here. I'm, I'm, and he and this kid, whatever he, you know, they they get into a fight. Yeah, they get into a fight. Chaos. Yeah. This 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 son is a purveyor of chaos. He is bringing chaos and disharmony into the camp. That's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. That's that's exactly what this the narrator has told us. He's going out among the Israelites. He's causing problems. He's fighting. He's getting in kerfuffles. What's happened? We're to, we're just on the other side of the Day of Atonement. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be treating each other in a certain way. We're supposed to be taking care of each other. This is the expectation of God well, let's, that let's, you be let's, holy. Let's break it. You have a mixed marriage today. Uh -huh. I'm not talking about racial. I'm talking about ideology. Okay. All right. You have a you have a Husband that thinks one way, a wife thinks another, and they have children. Is that dynamic going to infiltrate within the mindsets of the children? Oh, yeah. Because why? Why like, will it? Well, because you got mama thinking one way and dada thinking another. And, that, thinking and there, will be, there will be dialogue and conflict. That's right. Right? And so the children will, will pick up on the dialogue. And children are smart. They'll start using one against the other. But, you know, here, it, there, was, there, there was this dialogue within, you know, when they were in Egypt, this guy was is what is was in his homeland, and he was not ever probably really a part of the the nation that he married into. Mm. What he was trying to do is trying to pull. You know, it's like when I got married to Georgia, I was I was in a denominational world, and I tried to pull her to that denominational world. Now she'd go with me, okay, she'd go, but she never would adopt it, never would buy into it. And then when other people started started pushing on her too, it's when she rebelled, pulled back, and it was a real conflict. It was a, it was a real it was chaos in our home because of it. So you know when when you look at it, I can I can close my my, my eyes and I can see the chaos that was in his home, and he brings that out into the, and he and he takes it outside and he's angry. You know we have chaos in the house. That's right. Okay, and we come to a group of people that don't know about the chaos, and what happens? Our personality changes. Remember what we talked about a few weeks back? Mm -hmm. What's the hardest part of our, our life change? Our personality. Absolutely. And you can't hide it from people who have been around you much. You know, I I can tell, I, I you know, Richard Rendon was a, was a good friend of mine. We studied together. I could tell when something was going on. I could tell by looking at him across the auditorium. That's how close we were. I could tell if he was having a good day or a bad day just by how he looked across the auditorium. Other people couldn't, but I could. And and so here, this kid's bringing this into the environment that he comes into, and he's mad and angry. Probably, you know, he's he's listened to his mom and dad fight over this, and now he's got he 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 gets into a fight with an Israelite, mm. and it may have been the Israelite's fault. I don't know, but it probably didn't take much. No, it it probably didn't take much because of what um, he does. Yes, so we're told he's uh. The son, in verse 11, the son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name with a curse. So they brought him to Moses. Um, they put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. So we, he, now think about this. What's the first commandment? Uh, 
honor the Lord your God. I, I forget exactly how it's worded, but it's a uh, worship no, God only. Only, yeah. I have no other God. Do before. not make. Yeah, yeah have no other gods before. No other God before. Okay, let's go look at at the Ten Commandments real quick. That's Exodus chapter, chapter twenty, I believe. Yeah. No, that's not right. Nineteen. No, twenty. It's twenty. There it is. Believe it or not, depending on the tradition, uh, they interpret these commandments differently, right? Okay. So the first the first command, right? You shall have no other gods before me. Okay. They have continually violated that command. Yeah. The second command they violate in Exodus chapter 32. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything you have above the made golden calf. They've already done that. What does this guy do? Look at the third one. Uh, you shall not misuse the name of your yeah, Lord, your yeah. God, for mm -hmm. the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless yeah. who misuses verse his seven. name. Yeah. So the Do first, not take the Lord, the name of the Lord that God in vain. So the first three commands. And 1 Corinthians 10 and other places within the Torah tells us that they kept idolatry all the way through. That mm -hmm. was something that we see constantly. We see it in Genesis, right? Mm -hmm. Jacob will get up and say, hey, put away your foreign gods. We're going to go, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we see this constant idea. And that, it almost looked like they tolerated it. Right. So we see this constant toleration of that. So they're constantly breaking that first command. We There was a big, big one, Exodus 32, where they made this image. Now we have this one. And what's interesting is the writers of the Torah and the writers of the histories, right? There are certain areas where you see big time community events where these commands are broken. And think about the way the story works. Right, so the the meta narrative, the the large narrative over the Old Testament. Right, God pulls Abram out of the Chal out of Chaldea, out of Babylon, basically pulls Abram out of Babylon, makes him his people, makes him into a great nation. Right, does all these things, creates a covenant with him. His people continually break that covenant, and you see within the Old Testament these areas where it's like a big one. Right, this this one is the third commandment. Right, you see him where he misuses the name of the Lord. You're going to see all that. Th what did David do? David murdered mm -hmm. and committed adultery. Mm -hmm. Co committed, broke two of them right there. Broke two of them right there, didn't he, right? Mm -hmm. So you see these big times where, and the whole point, the whole point of, of emphasizing these, what did Achan do? Stole. Stole, right? Mm -hmm. You see these areas where the Israelites as a people, and it's being highlighted in the narrative where they are intentionally breaking this covenant with God over and over and over again, okay? And so where does it end up? These people that he developed because he pulled someone out of Babylon, well, they want to go back to Babylon so bad, he sends them back. And that's where the Old Testament, well, the Old Testament ends with them coming back from that. But that's the narrative, the story. We're progressing towards this point where God says, enough, enough. You've violated my covenant. I've been patient and patient and patient with mm -hmm. you. Enough. And he sends them back. So this is adding <laughs> to that narrative, mm -hmm. adding to that story of these are lawbreakers. Some you said, and we have a verse in the in the New Testament that tells us the same thing that God is patient and want any of us to perish. No, it's all come to repentance. So that patience is evident even in our day to day. And let's it, and let's think about what he what's what just happened in the story here. They just fixed this covenant. Yeah. That now this guy is breaking. Yeah. Right. They just Leviticus chapter nine. Remember, mm -hmm. Leviticus one started. They were still outside the tent. Yeah. Yeah. God said, "I'm going to fix the covenant." I'm going to fix it, but he hadn't fixed it yet. Leviticus 9, it gets fixed. Leviticus 16 gives us a bigger picture of what Leviticus 9 is, mm -hmm. right? And now here we are in Leviticus 24. We're breaking the covenant again. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens when you break the covenant? 
If you to, live by law, you what to, happens? You have to you have to be punished by law. If you break any of these Ten Commandments, the punishment is death. Yep. There is no atonement. There is no offering. There's no there's no forgiveness for breaking one of these commandments. You break one of these and you're out. Mm -hmm. How many times has the nation of Israel broken these commandments? The problem that people have is that they didn't always die because of it. They, David didn't die. David broke commands didn't die. Four of his sons did. Four of his sons did, yeah. You know, in, in, the, in uh, Exodus where they make the golden calf, you know, there was people that died, but Aaron didn't die. He's the one that built the calf. You ever heard the, uh, do you, do you ever hear, there's there's an old expression, you know, do you, sometimes you end up as the object lesson. This guy's an object lesson. Mm -hmm. Aiken ends up being an object lesson. His whole family dies with him. Sometimes you end up being an example. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's not fun. And I get that. But God is righteous in his decision. And yeah. so he this guy ends up being an example. We'll say we'll look at it and say this isn't fair. Right. Because what if you look at this here, it says this guy cursed the name of God. I don't know how old he is. Have no idea. Right. Let's say he's yeah, let's say mid twenties, early thirties. Let's say, I don't know. You know, he, he's their son. You don't think he's heard this at home? You don't think the Egyptian father's done this? Maybe the mother even done this? They didn't get punished like this. But he does it. He does it in a way and he gets and he gets made an example of. See, the it's like what I tell my kids all the time. You know, I, I teach my children. They don't want they don't want fairness. They don't want to be treated fairly. The problem with our culture is we we complain about things not going fairly. Mm -hmm. We have we overestimate how we think we ought to be treated and what we deserve. If God deals with us fairly, we all end up like this guy. Yeah. Because yeah. this is fair. Yeah. Fair is fair. And fair is they all agreed to this covenant. They yeah, all agreed to this the law. They, he did. God, God made it, but they could have said no. Yeah. They could have said, no, we don't want your covenant. Yeah. We don't want you. Yeah. They could have said that. They didn't. What they said, what did they all say at the foot of the mountain? We will obey. Yeah. We agree to this covenant. Mm -hmm. So this is a covenant. You agreed to it. You've come into this agreement. So now when God deals with you fairly, in the 21st century, we look at that and we go, oh, that's not fair. What do you yeah, mean? Not fair. Mm -hmm. It's imminently fair. This guy blasphemed the name. He's been told. He's been told, I told my kids all the time, if you're disrespectful, if you don't obey the first time, right, this is the punishment. Tell them that all the time, right? I don't always give them the punishment. Why? Because I'm being merciful. I'm giving them grace. Mm -hmm. I, I put my, uh, I put, uh, we do pow pows in our house. So I, I put the slipper that I use to do pow pows. Now, look, there's a lot that goes into home discipline, so it's not just pow-pows, okay? But it was an object lesson for the kids. I put that slipper out there, and I told them, I'm going to start calling that justice. And when you don't obey, and when you're disrespectful, or when you lie, those are the three things, you get justice. Now, who wants justice? Not, not a single one of them not raised of their them. hand. <laughs> Believe Even it. a little one? No, none of them. None of them want that. They know what that is, and they know it's not fun. They don't want it. They don't want justice. And I said, so what you don't want is to be treated fairly. Because when you break those rules, you get justice. But you don't want justice. You want mercy. That's the problem with our society. That's the yeah. problem with us today. Yeah. Is we seem to think that we deserve mercy. Mm -hmm. But we don't deserve mercy. We deserve justice. Yeah. We deserve to be treated fairly. This man is being treated fairly.
under the law. Look, yeah. look at what it says. Um, he says, uh, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and the entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them. Whether foreigner or native born, when they blaspheme the name, they are to be put to death. And then he goes on. That's the law. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Then he goes on. Anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. So what did this end up happening? So... We read that and we go, well, yeah, of course, anyone who murders is to be put to death. It's not just, that's not what he said. Mm -hmm. He said, anyone who takes the life of a human being. What do you think your court system is going to look like if the judge knows he convicts someone of something they didn't do and his life will be required of him if he imposes a death penalty on them? That's what this means. Mm -hmm. That's how it actually got practiced. The The entire ruling councils of the Jews, so they had various tiers of this all mm -hmm. the way up to the, the great council, the Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. The way they would sit in judgment of each other is like this. They would, they would sit, they would bring the person to them, they would try them. If it was a unanimous verdict, they would immediately shut it down, they'd wait a week, they'd come back and retry the case. It was an automatic retrial. It was basically like an automatic mistrial if everybody, if it was a death penalty case and everybody convicted this person. Mm -hmm. they, would have a, they would have a whole other trial because they wanted to be certain that the person they were about to put to death actually well, deserved that, that penalty yeah. mm -hmm. because they knew this. Anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. So if that counsel unjustly convicts someone or they convict someone who is innocent, they kill him, that man's blood is now on them. They have committed murder. So when did it, when did it uh, get to the point that nobody cared anymore? It because, never did. Because, yeah, it did because they, they, put a, 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 they unjustly put Jesus on the cross and killed him. Yeah, they did. And that's, what, that's the whole point of the story. There you go. The whole point of the story is that the San, when you when you understand the historical context and the legal background for how the Sanhedrin operated, there was no justice at Jesus's trial. No. There was none. No. First of all, they're never supposed to sit at night. That's another part of it. And that's not in here, but that's part of it. Why? Because if you're sitting at night, you're tired, you're exhausted, and you might make a mistake and convict someone who is innocent. Yeah. Like if you go through, I've actually read a couple books where some lawyers took apart um, second i think it's second century or first century jewish law and so basically the traditions that went into the sanhedrin they read this they came up with traditions mm -hmm. and how it was actually practiced the sanhedrin council and court and uh he went through it and he demonstrated all the ways in which what they were doing was illegal the high they're not supposed to strike anybody in the council uh they're not supposed to entertain um spurious witnesses stuff like that mm -hmm. it's it's really it's really interesting at every level the sanhedrin council and, and conviction the court over jesus was wrong mm -hmm. like it was they they ignored every custom every tradition everything to convict him yeah and to get him on the cross that's how that's how bad they want him dead <laughs> well that's why peter says to the the jews at pentecost you, you killed, killed him, him. You killed he doesn't blame the Romans. He doesn't, in Acts chapter 10, no. he doesn't go to Cornelius and no. say, your government put him to death. No. That's not what he says. He looks at the Jews and says, you did it. Yeah. When Pilate, we always we always shrug it off and say, well, Pilate's just as guilty as them. He's really not. No. He washes his hands of it. Yeah. And he says, the blood's on you. Pilate tried to get, Pilate tried to release him, as was the custom during the festival to release someone. Pilate tried to release him. What did the Jews say? Nope. No. 
Don't want to no. give us Barnabas. Yeah. Right. Pilate's wife came to came to uh, came to him and said, "I've had you have no idea the torment I've endured because of this man. Let him go. Leave him alone." And he and he, and he turns Barabbas loose instead. The Jews come to him and say, "You're no friend of Caesar if you don't let him go, or if you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. We have huh. no king but Caesar." Mind you, these are people who have been rebelling against Rome for decades. Yeah. And now they're clamoring at the feet of Rome, right? So at every level. If, if you guys don't see God's hand all over this, all over this, to bring about to bring about grace and mercy, if you don't see this, we, you need to continue to study then. Because I'm telling you, it, it screams grace and, and mercy. And, and why? Look, because when you live by law, this is the standard. Anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution life for life. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted See, the injury must suffer where they the get same that. injury. We, God says make an eye for an eye, a tooth for That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about in this. He said if you, if you cause a problem, you should have that problem caused on you too. Same way. How horrible is the law? Well, the, the law is not horrible in itself. Absolutely. Look yeah. at it. It's I mean, horrible, that, yeah, man. that yeah, I I agree with that. The 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 punishments parts of the law, the all the law does is condemn. Yeah, that's all it does. Yeah, it's horrible. The whole the law. Galatians says it brings us to Christ. The law is horrible, mm -hmm. and they looked at this law. They looked into it and said, "We can do that." No, they couldn't. In madness and insanity, they looked at it and said, "Oh yeah, I can do that." Imagine the Pharisee standing before God. Jesus tells this parable. The Pharisee standing before God, saying. Oh God, how great am I? I do this and that and the other, and we do all these things. And the publican comes in and he beats his breast and says, God, forgive me. I'm forgive a me, I'm a sinner. One of them went away forgiven. This Pharisee had yeah. sinned too. That's what the law does. The law says, look, this is sin. It doesn't help you keep it. It doesn't help you stay away that, from it. And this is why that Hebrews 11, the last two verses of Hebrews 11 says that, uh, that, that, that the blood of Christ was retroactive. What it says is that only together with us could they be made perfect. They cannot be made perfect without the blood of Christ because the blood of the animals couldn't take away sin. Yeah, It had to be the blood of Christ and God showering them with that blood through the obedience, whatever obedience they did through this law. And we have brothers and sisters today who want to live by law. Now, we were just talking about what we we're talking about today. We have a bunch of whole, we're talking about we're planning an, an event mm -hmm. and we're like, well, we want to make sure we do this in such a way that it doesn't offend anyone's conscience. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do that. But why are we concerned about it? Because we've got some people who think it's got to be this way. And if it's not this way, then we're all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. When when do you ever think you're right? Yeah. When yeah. when do you ever think you're right? Yeah. It's very it's a very miserable way to a place to be. You know. Look at where it ends to be up. So to be so legalistic. You want to be you you want to you okay, so Galatians, you you brought it up. Let's look at it real quick cuz Galatians Galatians explains this. Basically what we're seeing in this story is the horror of law. Mm -hmm. The law doesn't save you. The law can't save you. All it can do is say, "Ah, oh, look, you broke me. Now you're death. Yeah. Now you die." That's mm -hmm. all it does. Mm -hmm. All it can do is tell you the penalty. Paul tells us in Galatians therefore. This is Galatians chapter 3. Verse 23, okay, mm -hmm. Galatians 3, 23. Before the coming of this faith, this faith in Christ, this, this wonderful gift we have in, his, in God's mercy through Christ, we were held in custody, captured, enslaved under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian. 
It was a tutor. It was a schoolmaster meant to teach us until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. I can't be justified by the law. The no. law is what condemns me. Go back and look at Leviticus 24. Look at what happens. You do this, you do this, you do this. What's the penalty? Death. Yeah. Restitution. Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. Why? In other words, justice. Mm -hmm. Justice. Mm -hmm. You want to be treated fairly? Oh, it's the no. worst thing in the world to be you treated want fairly. You want treated with mercy. You want grace. You want, you want his mercy. Mm -hmm. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, under the law. Look at Galatians 5. This is, so, this is the, really the crux of it right here. But this is Galatians 5, starting in... Uh, we'll, we'll start at the beginning of the chapter. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by yoke of slavery. He's talking about the law. Yeah. yeah. Mark my words. I, Paul, this, tell you... This is why he was so adamant when he, when he writes Galatians and, and Philippians and, and talks about the people that are coming trying to impose law upon these people, right. these new converts. Right. Good. You want to live by the law, you're going to die. And look, that's what he says. He says, if yeah. you let yourself be circumcised, understand that was a custom under the law. That was you saying that you were going to fully obey the law, yeah. right? You're going to be a part of the law. You're going to be a part of that covenant. So he says, if you let yourself follow law, if you look to that law, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Understand, if you try to justify yourself under the law, if you try to hold on to the law and prove your righteousness before God, what's actually going to happen is the way you get your righteousness through Christ means nothing. You will fall. I think there's some funny here. He said, it says here that, again, I declare, everybody lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. They had, they had so fractured the law anyway that they picked and choose so much of it that this was normal for them. No, we'll, these guys... They need to be circumcised. If they're going to be Christians and call themselves Christians, they got to be circumcised. And 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 the, the council said, no. You know, they wanted them to obey the whole law of Moses. Well, they weren't obeying the whole law of Moses. Dan, it's any law. See, see, this, this is the thing. Christ says what? He says in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter Matthew chapter 7, he says, judge not lest you be judged. Now, he's not talking about making any type of judgments mm -hmm. there. He's talking about hypocritical judgment. Yeah. But what does he say the standard is? By your standard, it will be measured to you. Mm -hmm. So guess what? That means you can make a law unto yourself yeah. and you'll not follow it. Yeah. You'll break your own dang law. Yeah. You know, I, I hear people yeah. all the time. Oh, we, we uh, you know, uh, unless the Bible says we can do it, we can't do it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the standard you want to be judged by? Show me where it says in the book we can use electricity. <laughs> Show me in the book where it says we can use microphones. Show me in the book where it says we can do things like this. Show me in the book. Yeah. And I hear people all the time want to be judged by that standard. Bub, you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Let's take it back even further. Show me in the book where it says that we're to gather in an auditorium and partake of communion out of these faux golden trays. Mm -hmm. Show me where it says it authorizes you to do that in the book. That is not the standard you want to be judged by. No. What you want to be judged by is the law of mercy, the yeah. law of grace, the yeah. royal law in Jesus. That's what you want to be judged yeah. by because in that law, there's grace and there's mercy, not justice. But if you're going to run around and claim, oh, we got to do everything by the and book. I don't, I don't want to, we got just a minute here, but grace is when God gives me what I do not deserve. That's right. Okay. I do not deserve salvation. I do not deserve a, a home with him. That's what grace is. Mercy is when God does not give me what I do deserve. I deserve to die. Yeah. He doesn't give me that. That's mercy. You know, it, it's. And it's so you know, funny when God is actually fair. 
when God actually deals with us as we deserve, people get all upset and all angry and scream and cry. But that's God being fair. Yeah. He wasn't, you're right. He wasn't fair yeah, with want David. Him, I don't want you to be fair. I want you, I want you to shower him with grace. He sure. wasn't fair with David. No. He wasn't. He did not treat David fairly. He doesn't treat us fairly either. Thank God. Thank God he doesn't. Yeah. Thank God. Because what fair looks like mm -hmm. is in Leviticus chapter 24 with this blast fever. You get stoned to death by the whole group. Yeah. Jesus yep. said, Jesus brought this text up and he said, you've heard that it's been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You missed the foundational law. Yep. Foundational law is love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. And thank him for his mercy. Yeah. Wow. Awesome class, man. It's a very important story. Yeah. It, 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 stories like this, story like, stories like Aiken, they help us understand we don't want to live that way. We don't want to live under the law code. We don't want to live. We don't. It, there's no life there. You know, there's only death. And I remember early on as a Christian thinking that these very things and thinking, you know, how I can't do this and I can't do that. I can't because that's what was per, that was what permeated my mindset yeah. because of the way I was taught my whole life. You know, because you have religions out there that are Old Testament, old law religion. And you know, none of this means that it's okay to sin. None no, of this means that no. that we can just do whatever we want. No. You know, when when Pete, when Paul was making these arguments in the New Testament. They would always accuse him of, of trying to poo-poo sin. And he would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, how can we who have died to sin continue to live in yeah. it? Yeah. You know, that's not what this is doing. This is pointing out that if you try to earn it yourself, if you try to hold to a code mm -hmm. and you try and you try to say, I'm going to be righteous within that code, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. And then because that's what you did, you spat, you spat on Christ and God is going to judge you by your standard. Yeah. yeah. What a horrible day that will be. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, for the for the the coming and the and the the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus, your Son. We thank you for the grace and mercy that that He ushered in. We thank you, Father, that we don't live under law, that we live under under this system of grace and mercy. When you give us what we do not deserve, and we thank you for it, Father. Help us to strive every day to treat people with kindness and compassion. Help us to love the way you've you've commanded us to love as we love you and love our neighbor, Father. That's what this is all about, is loving each other. And I pray, Father, you help us to do that. Father, give us the strength and the courage to, uh, to hold ourselves to that kind of standard instead of a standard of law, Father, which will, will not go well for us. Thank you for the opportunity. Bless us as we, as we continue this study and help us, Father, to learn the things that we need to learn so that we can be the, the people that you, that you need and want us to be. In Jesus